Hello, hello. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Welcome to Pills, Easy to Swallow Stories in Medicine. I'm your host, DJ Broca. And today we're going to be focusing our lens on a disease you've undoubtedly heard something about. There are 230,000 new cases every year, making it the second most prevalent cancer in women. And in the U.S., as many as one in eight women may be diagnosed at some point in their life. The subject of our discussion today is breast cancer. Please keep in mind that the views and opinions heard on this show are not those of KUCI, the university, or the regents of the University of California, um, and it doesn't con- constitute medical advice either. Um, these are just the opinions of myself. Uh, if you have any questions, of course, you can talk to your physician um, and get proper advice from there. So another reason you may have heard about breast cancer is that patients of this condition have rallied together really successfully to build agencies and advocacy groups to strengthen public awareness, advocacy, and research on the topic. And a common goal for many of these groups is to encourage early detection of the cancer because treatment is more successful if it's caught early. And as with any medical uh, test done in a doctor's office, the tests aren't perfect. And the more tests you do, the more potential there is for some false positives to happen sometimes. This means that there's a test that says, hey, you've got a problem, when that's not really the case. Now, these don't happen that often because the test would be bad if it did and we wouldn't use them, right? But it does happen sometimes. And if you do a lot of tests, there's always a possibility that sometimes this comes up. Um, And, you know, this this factors in because if you want a population to be doing screening tests pretty often um, just to be able to detect say breast cancer early on then you're going to have to weigh the consequences like the anxiety of a false test results against the the benefits you have from getting early detection and we're going to talk more about this today Um, There's a lot of numbers and statistics that come into this that epidemiologists like to crunch, but we're lucky enough today to have a human touch to the conversation. Uh, My guest today is Artie, who you might be familiar with. She's a DJ here um, at KUCI, and she's here to talk about her um, experiences. Artie, your show is on Saturdays, is that right? No, it's on Sunday mornings at 8, from 8 till 10. It's called Celtic Harmonics. Celtic harmonics. Mm-hmm. I think I heard you this weekend. Actually, oh, great. I was. Like, I was. Uh, it was all about love. <laughs> I was driving back from Costco and I heard it. <laughs> awesome. So, can you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your experience with uh, breast cancer? Sure, can. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, your opportunity to have um, people of, of with di- different medical stories to come in and, and talk with you. Um, is is very very helpful and extremely uh, beneficial to to me and to everyone else. Uh, this is a story that I've had for ten years. Um, I just passed my ten year clear uh, di- checkup for uh, breast cancer. I was diagnosed back in uh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I was diagnosed back in uh, December of uh, two thousand five. Um, actually, the very very end of the year at like. December 30th, I, w- I went in for a mammogram, which was an annual thing for me, at Hoke Hospital, and they saw something suspicious, and they, 
when they when they did the uh, the report, they called me back early in J- January of uh, 2006 and had me come in for more imaging of that particular the right breast and they discovered that something was abnormal for sure and from there actually from the uh, the mammogram area I went into a uh, a biopsy for um, they, they localized the area and um, they did a core needle bi- biopsy right then and there on the same day as the on second the same mammogram? day as the confirmation by mammogram and it's interesting to me that I I am so so grateful that I had been keeping this up every year um, with pretty much the same screening uh, area and, and the same scrutiny since I was like 39 wow and and, uh, and how old were you when you when this was detected in 2015 or 2005 I should say. in 2005 I was 49 okay and they were telling me this during my last checkup um, a week ago, that 49 is right on the cusp of being considered um, t- a typical age range for being di- diagnosed. Um, they're, they're saying that like 50 and above, 50 is, is pretty normal, but 49 is just short of that. So they think that um, it being um, that much younger than the normal population that gets diagnosed. Right. And it was not palpable. Um, the, the the nodule wasn't. I could not feel it. I couldn't have felt it if I had done proper um, mm-hmm. breast exams, either. It was. I think they they found it as point point uh, nine centimeters. Point nine centimeters. Okay. Yeah, and it was deep, and it. Um, but uh, this and, this is stuff that they are telling you after doing the imaging, right? They're doing. Yeah, they. They did it after the imaging, and they could see it on the ultrasound. Right. They could see it really clearly. I got, right. I got to see it, and to me, it looked like a marble because mm-hmm. they kept rolling over, and it, it just seemed like there was just something stuck in there. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So that's, that's what they, they could yeah. find it fairly easily and yeah. then stick it with a needle and take the samples. Right. So if I could, like, yes. you're, you're bringing up some really great points here. Um, one of the things that I want to mention is um, you mentioned being on the cusp and mm-hmm. – um, you're right, like this is like the age when a lot of healthcare professionals are very concerned and want to be vigilant. Um, the specific ages might vary a little bit depending on mm. kind of what agency is giving the recommendations. I, I looked up for the American Con- Cancer Society. They have recommendations of how often to get screenings. And for example, for women aged uh, 45 to 54, they recommend a mammogram every year, mm-hmm. kind of what you had been mm-hmm. keeping up for much longer than mm-hmm. that. Um, and uh, they recommend that 55 and up can, you can switch to every uh, two years, for example. So that great point. Um, so okay, tell us. So you were you got the core needle biopsy, and this was in January of 2006. Now, or was yes, that five? It was in two, uh, 2006. Yeah, 2006. Yeah, right. it, it rolled over. So I was mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously back on my. Uh, <laughs> getting my deductibles mm-hmm. met oh, right. at that point, which was fun. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So so that happens. And then are you immediately kind of given, okay, these are your options. Which one would, do you want to do? For? There really wasn't any option when they discovered that they knew it was there. They knew it was mal- uh, malignant. And they knew it was infiltrating or 
invasive. Mm-hmm. I've seen both the terms infiltrating more often than invasive, but um, but it was still in in situ. Mm-hmm. So um, they basically recommended a treatment of you know, obviously surgery, mm-hmm. get get rid of it, and then a treatment of uh, some sort of radiation. Mm-hmm. It, they really didn't think that um, uh, chemotherapy was in order because it was so small. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, yeah, they gave me the tra- treatment options towards the end of January, and I went in for surgery in February. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm I'm treating this whole uh, my checkup and my you know being able to interview with you as my sort of my ten year anniversary. So it's all coming together. And yeah. I'm checking back on my notes and seeing, okay, um, we're living it. But uh, it's a really interesting experience because it, uh, I, I, I enjoy medical things. And I like enjoying uh, knowing about what's going on about my body. And I love anatomy and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, well, um, going into the hospital, I've never been in the hospital for any other thing before. Mm-hmm. And going through the anesthetic and being you know. being on kind of the receiving end yeah. of all of yeah. this. Yeah, and uh, watching my surgeon do his work, and he's he's been my um, he's the per- person I goes to every year since uh-huh. to be checked up, and he's always checking how good the scar is. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're healing, you're right. so good. I do such good work. <laughs> so taking pride. In yeah. It. Yeah. Right. Right. Wow. Well, I, I have to say again, congratulations Thanks. to 10 years later, check yeah. um, and still be clear. I guess um, there's a lot that really captivates me about your story. Um, mm. w- one of the things is just you mentioned that you've been checking since 39. And so you were really kind of vigilant about this, it uh-huh. seems. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what made like influenced you to kind of be regular about it and like what in your circumstances um, made it possible I know I am su- super um, um, grateful and I'm I benefit from the uh, really good health um, insurance program through my work um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I work for a pharmaceutical company a health-based company so that they they um, offer you know good insurance for us and so I had the opportunity to do it, and um, sure. and uh, of course the deductibles out of my the, my paycheck pays yeah. for all this. So right, right. as long as I have the opportunity, I'll, I'll definitely take yeah. advantage of it. And I know that um, other people that I've found have had to get some sort of um, benefit from the Coleman Foundation to be able to get mm-hmm. their um, screenings done. And right. thank God for them for. Um, for Coleman for um, being able to offer the making this possible yeah 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 certainly I mean I think breast cancer is you know as terrible as it is it one of the highlights is that there are so many groups that are there and able to help mm-hmm. it's it's really a positive thing for yeah. such a yeah what did they factor in at all for your treatment? Did you did you re, um, look up statistics or anything like that when you were kind of going through this process? I got um, I got really good um, advice from my doctors. I didn't need to do much research, and of course, ten years ago the 
uh, I think the avenues of getting of going through the research different. was different. Right, of course. Yeah. yeah. It's maybe I don't remember knowing anything about Google. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So factoring that in yeah. as well. Yeah. But your doctors themselves kind of inform yeah. you about Yes. Yeah. yeah. I uh, had an oncologist um right away um and he watched watched me for the first 6 years or so mm-hmm. while I was on um I think I mentioned that besides the radiation, I was also on tamoxifen mm-hmm. for five years, which is the the threshold for um, determining whether or not that your percentages drop quite a bit if you go cancer free for um, five years mm-hmm. on the tamoxifen. So after after five year, years, you could stop it, and right. I, I I did stop it after five five and a half years. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I think this uh, is a pretty regular course, um, mm-hmm. something like surgery to begin with, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's very localized and you, you see that the tumor is very, um, can be circumscribed and taken out specifically. Yeah. Um, I think historically breast cancer, you know, had um, this history of, you know, radical surgery where it was a complete mastectomy. But now I think a lot of people, if the tumor can be seen and it's mm-hmm. only in one place, they'll do something much less the lum- large. Lumpectomy. L- lumpectomy, yeah. right? And then um, followed by radiation, just in case it has spread, uh, you want to kind of get rid of it in that general area um, and make sure there aren't really traces of it. And then followed through at the end by tamoxifen, if it's a hormone um, yeah. uh, which, responsive. Which mine was. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you, you know, you would customize the mm-hmm. drug depending on you know, what the situation is. They told me right off the bat about the radiation. I had two choices. Uh, one was um, external beam radiation to the chest. Mm-hmm. And the other one was an internal um, process called mamocyte. Hmm. Are you at all? No. I'm not. No. Okay. Do you remember? Um, I, I've got some, some records and I was reading through that and it was kind of remarkable how they uh there's obviously a void in their cavity of with the tissue that's been removed Mm -hmm. yeah they took out from what i remember it's like (laughs) what i remember it's written right here Mm -hmm. 6.2 centimeters of of tissue Mm -hmm. and um you do i do a check right now and and i can feel what's Mm -hmm. missing Mm -hmm. so in that area they wanted to uh do an internal kind of um radiation treatment which is they use a trocar and they insert right. a balloon mm-hmm. in that void and they inflate the balloon mm-hmm. and if it's if it inflates correctly and exposes the the radiation um, source and all of the tissue around the original tumor area mm-hmm. is um, accessible yeah um, then it's successful so okay. I could go through um, a matter of days by doing that mm-hmm. but there's there were there were a bunch of complications that they deflated it and it didn't settle right and and took it out and tried it again and then they fi- figured it it wasn't going to work for me mm-hmm. so they ended up taking it out seal, sealing my back up mm-hmm. and then te- taking me to the five day a week um six six to eight week uh course of uh external Radiation. yeah mm-hmm. and external. It's, it's still at um at Hogue, um, a great facility, by the way. My surgery w- was at uh, St. Joseph's in, in mm-hmm. uh, Orange through the breast uh, breast care center, mm-hmm. right across the street. And um, you know, shout out to them for <laughs> doing their 
due diligence right and right. helping me out so uh otherwise um the treatment was over in april mm-hmm. and i wanted to april to may um you know, once I got out of that, I realized how tired it is. Yeah. What state were you in at that point? Um, well, uh, they were only localized in a big square area on my on the right side of my chest. So um, they radiated five times a week. And then you realize that after it's done, the body needs to build, up, build itself back up. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize how tired I could get until mm-hmm. I started to try to surf. Oh, are you a surfer? I try. <laughs> I try so hard, but my goal, my goal was to try to um, surf uh, for real uh-huh. on my fiftieth birthday, which, which was in June. Okay. Of two thousand six. Yeah. So I had like a month to try it. Right. So I I bought a board and I got out there and I took a couple of lessons and got, <laughs> I was huffing and puffing. I, just, I always didn't think I could do it, but and did yeah. did you? I did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. So, I, so I've been trying to serve for 10 years. <laughs> That's so. like, a, you know, like learning to like jump right after, you know. Or yeah, or, or maybe it's one of your bucket things. Bucket yeah. Things. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Did you, um, do, like, were your spirits really good at the um, at the end of it? I mean, that it had been successful it, and what? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, you know, the the whole whole process of of um radiation at at hogue and it probably is this way everywhere they they customize a a, a foam pillow to, mm, just to, right. to keep your um your upper body you know shoulders on up mm-hmm. stable and and still and they play nice music and it's right. nice and nice and shadowy <laughs> and then I think one of the things that you get at the end of the treatment is a little purple, bal- big purple balloon, and I still, I think I still have that balloon. So yeah, it was, it was, it was you, an you experience. Felt, it was just yeah. an experience. Um, yeah. I can't say that it was joyful or or uh, sad or anything. It was just, it was an experience mm-hmm. that that I wouldn't wish on anyone. Yeah. But I, it 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 can be, uh, you know, uh, something that you want to think goodness about it thank god about um at at the end and and then tell the story like this and help other people of course yeah Yeah. and it it sounds like a great you know message for you know be regular about your screenings yeah and And the fact that i was diagnosed so early so early yeah yeah, and uh even though it was malignant it was all removed it i did have to go in for a second um surgery because they found that the margin Mm -hmm. on the original um um specimen taken mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't clear enough hmm. so they had to cut out a little bit more um, okay what uh, was this like years later or no uh it was when within a couple weeks couple weeks yeah okay. so right. they went in the same incision so mm-hmm. there wasn't any extra um cutting or any any more scarring and the scar is almost done yeah. indetectable yeah so i see mm-hmm. so t- 10 years down you are you still regular about getting checkups i am okay. <laughs> i yeah. am yeah it was great it was good the first time so yeah. yeah well i get to go see the same person who who knows my story and right. and um uh is it about yeah. the same uh checkup and whatnot or it's the been? same it's the same checkup and i think the um the mammography uh machines or the the method of, of yeah. taking the mammogram is, is changing. Okay, um, it right. still squeezes like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah. Like 
<laughs> and they and they take extra uh, extra close-ups of the area itself just mm-hmm. to look for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were mentioning uh, now they're thinking potentially of doing genetic testing or have floated the that's, idea. That's right. They do. They have. Uh, they offered uh, me a brochure, and they said that it would be good idea for me to. Um, partake in it it wouldn't be that expensive especially when you have insurance um i think it's actually said they said without insurance it's probably like 250 dollars and 150 100 dollars out of pocket mm-hmm. um if you have uh insurance and insurance will pay for it mm-hmm. and this much. is um if i uh, for the listeners this would be testing for uh the brca one or two gene right yeah and so these are genes that um were discovered to have a high correlation with breast cancer. What it what it really what the research shows is that it's not to say that most cases of breast cancer are in people who have positive genes for this, are positive for a mutation in these genes. But in fact most people don't have a mutation in this gene. But if you do, then your chances of breast cancer are much higher. So it's it's something to wrap your head around. It's not to say that having the gene um, it it doesn't mean that most people who have the breast cancer gene have this genetic issue, but at the same time, if you do have it, then your chances are higher. So it's good in order to tell for if you're going to you know have another case or not. It's good to get that kind of a genetic test. But whether or not you get it, of course, is a difficult decision because it it would depend on do you really want to know is it something you can do something about at the time um and you know different factors need to be weighed i th- i think i would do it for the benefit of my uh my daughter who has um she's she's coming up on the age when i first started my screening and i think that um I'd like to know for her sake whether or not i could pass a, have passed on something down to her right. but then if she was to take it um, she'd find out whether or not it, either that she has it from either me or her dad. So, right. um, whichever uh, I almost I asked them why when they asked me to to consider doing it. You know, I've already had it. Don't I have some sort of mm-hmm. propensity for it anyway? But may not have the gene, but the gene can show up can help to to fact to figure out whether or not you are susceptible to other kinds of cancers rather than right. breast. So, right. Um, you might mention that. Um, yeah, it it is the case. For example, I think um, because, like you said, the the gene can be passed on, or rather, the mutation in the gene can be passed on from either the father or the mother. Um, the cases of breast cancer, while they exist for males, is pretty low. But I think the tumor can put you at a higher risk for other cancers that mm-hmm. are more prevalent in uh, men. So it's it's possible. Um, it, that could be also true in um, women, I'm not sure, but I guess mm-hmm. this is kind of what the doctor indicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's just kind of more knowledge in that sense. And it would give you um, an idea about what, what else to screen or, you know, other things as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so f- in, in terms of it, you're pretty positive, like you, you think you would go for it? Um, I, I, uh, because I've got the insurance I've got, um, yeah. why not? Yeah. Um, if they find out that I have it, um, did it <laughs> I've got it. So. Yeah, right, right. And uh, you may, you bring up a good point about your daughter, yeah, right? Like yeah. it would be something very mm-hmm. useful to know. Yeah, her. and she, of course, passing it down to any children that she might have, um, she I'm sure she'd want to know. Um, right. So. Yeah. Well, 
Um, I guess uh, thank you so much for yeah. coming in. We really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. And I'm sure, I mean, for listeners, um, this can be really powerful. Um, perhaps they're going through something similar or they're on the fence about whether mm-hmm. to get screened or not. So I hope someone out there, you know, takes something good from this. Um, thanks. Your your um, your show is, a, is, is really good for um, knowledge. And I'm glad you, you joined up on, on our team. And I have this mm-hmm. for you. Oh, oh! Thank you so much. It's um, a ribbon from the Breast Cancer Awareness. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I really appreciate it. You said as you will. <laughs> um, I have one last question for sure. you. Um, as we go, mm-hmm. uh, can you recommend a song we should play to end it? Perhaps something from your show that you know, something you've been listening to recently. Oh boy! You I know threw, I'm putting you, you on the spot. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just I particularly like that song I opened up the show with last week. With yeah. uh, called uh, it's a LL Cool J cover of "I Need Love" by um, Luca Bloom. Luca Luca Bloom. I'm seeing uh-huh. it here. Okay, this is gonna be uh, pretty spontaneous. Let's see. Let's see. All right, getting everything set. You know, I don't do a music show, so this is all new to me. All right, got this cued. This is Ox. Alright. This has been Pills, Easy to Swallow Stories in Medicine. Thank you for joining me. This is DJ Broca signing off. Next coming up is Good Grief with Sadra. Thank you for listening. Her. I can feel it inside, I can't explain how it feels All I know is that I'll never dish another raw deal Play and make believe, pretending that I'm true Holding in my life as I say I love you Say no more, I whisper in your ear I say I love you, I will always be here And though I often reminisce, I can't believe that I found Desire for true love floating around Inside my soul because my soul is cold Half of me deserves to be this way until I'm old The other half needs affection and joy The warmth created by a girl and a boy I need love